You're okay. always better, my friend. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Welcome okay. to Notorious Women's Podcast. I'm Lavetta. And I'm Miriam. And this is Notorious Women, a comedy podcast about some of history's most notorious women. <laughs> but you are always, always. Oh my God. Am I tired? I think so. You're tired. Yes. Always. I am very tired <laughs> and it's not even the summer yet well it's just it just became the summer so we're just in the summer well, now let's be clear it's not summer quite yet it's, it's like almost summer. well by it's the time summer. this comes Wait, out it'll be summer you know what you're right yep <laughs> you're right actual summer actual summer which i'm still looking forward to oh Hot girl summer, not tired girl summer. Mm -mm. (laughs) Gotta take our vitamins, okay? Very important. Thank you for this PSA. We're not tired girl summer. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. It is Mm -hmm. hilarious. We gotta focus. Yeah. Focus, focus. Focus. All right, my friend. I'm focused. Uh, (laughs) I believe this week you are first. So, who's your notorious woman? this week that you're going to share with me and our listeners okay i'm so excited about this woman mm-hmm. now did you watch a league of their own of course i did did you watch it over and over again i watched it at least twice but not over and over and over again okay well i have watched this movie so many times <laughs> and i love every ounce of it so much and at the end you know i cry and i i remember thinking ah yes now we understand how important women's sports are and everything <laughs> is better because i was very i was very hopeful as a teenager i was very like yes we have problems solved based on this one movie that i have just watched over and over again um but let's talk about that movie and there's a new version Yes. On Amazon, which I actually just started because I'm slow. Yeah. It's so good. So good. So good. So good. Yeah. I am going to talk about a woman named Maybell Blair. Maybell Blair. Now that is an old school name. Maybell Blair. Maybell Blair. Now I got much of my information from MLB.com. And an article from the New York Times. So, a lot of her early years seems a little like unsure mm-hmm. <laughs> from what I am gathering. So, she was born January 16th, 1927. Mm. Um, she was maybe born in Inglewood, California, oh. or Longvale, California, or Texas. You know? Oh. Right. Mm hmm. Okay. So what we gather, what I gather is that she was in Texas for a period in her childhood, but ended up in California. Okay. Um, a lot of her story is um, sort of finding out like in her much later years. And I'm sure that there's, you know, mem- memory can be a little fuzzy. So yeah. I, you know, I'll talk about what is fuzzy and what is very clear and, and what is documented. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so she grew up with a love of baseball. She says she has baseball in her blood. Um, she said, quote, quote, she was born a baseball fan. Um, she also <laughs> said that playing baseball was the only entertainment we had besides breaking horses. So, you know, that was probably Texas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be California, too. <clears throat> I suppose me. it could be California. Yeah, especially yeah. in the 20s or, or 30s. Yeah. 30s. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Um, Do you ever watch the new Perry Mason? Yes. And we've had this conversation because I know you okay, love it. I know. Because I love it so much. It's just so fascinating to see California back then. I know. I know. It's so bizarre. I know. Oof. Um, That's all I had to say because it popped in my head. And I say things that pop in my head sometimes. Um, okay. So growing up, her father and brothers played on a team called the Blair Nine. Get it? Because their last name is yeah. Blair. You see what they did there? I see what they did um, there. And of course, she couldn't play because she's a girl. So she could score keep. And so she had scorekeeping duties. Um, and so she said, quote, after the game was over, maybe when they were going to have batting practice, they'd call me out and say, sis, come out and play now. I'd grab my mitt and all I do is go out there and shag balls. But I enjoyed every minute of it. Mm. I don't even know what shag balls means. I, I don't sounds, either. I'm, that does not sound good coming yeah, out of my mouth. Like, um mm. Never say that again. Got it. But I, I'm I'm throw I'm guessing you know, throw back and forth. That's my yeah. guess. Yeah. You know. Um so when she was in fifth grade, she formed her own softball team and she forced other girls to come out and practice with her every day. Aww. And eventually it led to a teacher connecting her with another school down the road so she could continue playing with some people who were similarly obsessed with the game. Aww. Um this is what she says. I'm going to I'm going to do the direct quote. And if someone who really knows baseball, then they maybe know what I'm saying. She says, quote, at recess, I'd make all the girls stand up and I would hit them pepper and throw back. When I finally got out on the field, I asked them all to stay after school and practice with me. I finally got pretty good. I, I don't like know that. what hit them pepper means, but I love it. Again, 1930s. I love that speak. Hit, hit pepper. Yeah, doesn't That's it? Terrible accent. <laughs> see, see, I, I think I'm doing a, a bad, like, bad guy. See, see, see. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, what you're talking about? See, see, see that doesn't make sense. More like Mae West, 1930s. Come up, see me sometime. Um, uh, hmm, handsome man. Oh, yeah, we should probably not go down this road. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so around the same time, she began to become aware of her sexuality but she knew she had to keep it a deep secret. So throughout her life, she kept her relationships private and she never married. She says that her first love came when she was a senior in high school. So I'll just say she she's a lesbian. Pride, happy um, pride, bitches. Happy pride, okay. <laughs> you see what I did there? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. She said, I was so worried about my family because in those days, nobody knew anything about people being gay or what have you. It was so nerve wracking. So mm. while she was still in high school, she was playing semi-pro softball for the Pasadena Ramblers. And there she is in California for sure. Mm. Um, uh, and what they would do is they would stop for games. This is cool. I didn't know that this happened. They would stop for games on military bases 
and uh, take on men's teams that would do their best to beat them. Uh, and basically, like, bragging rights were on the line here. That's why they were playing. Oh, and she said, that's a great, like, concept because that's how you can get the men to engage. Like, But it's, it's a shame that the women have to be, like, uh, novelty. They have to be, like, a novelty yeah. like group. But that's, it was, yeah. But I will say, like, this is her quote. She said, quote, they would form their team, then we'd go down there, play him, and beat him half the time. <laughs> she says, just the soldiers or the sailors or whoever we played, we were all over those guys. They could hardly handle it when we got through beating them. It was a lot of fun for them, and it was a lot of fun for us. Like, we can look back and be like, oh, they were sort of making it cute by having the women play the yeah. men, or as they all loved to call them, the girls. Yeah. But... She had a good time. And like, let's yeah. not discount that. Of course not. Of course not. Um, yeah. But let's also do better. I don't want to be like, oh, no, she liked being talked down to. That's not what I mean. <laughs> no, but I love the fact that they get to beat them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, actually, we're better than you. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Um, so she was playing one of her games in Redondo Beach, California, when a scout came through. So... He wanted her to go with the Chicago Cardinals softball team. Now, her mother was resistant to the idea at first, and then she learned she would be making $55 a week. And so on a train to Chicago, she went. So that was something like, I'm not really sure, but it was like $700 a week. Maybe That's even, not bad for, what did you yeah, say, 55 55 about 55 In what, what year? 19... 40? She was like 17, 18, 1943, 1944. Yes, 900. You're looking it up, aren't you? Yeah, $900. $900. $964.45. That's a lot. Like, if someone was like, hey, do this thing for me for $964, like, I would be like, yeah, yeah let's go. To, to like, do what I love that I love. do for free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in this day and age, you'd have to like live small. Yeah. But you could, you yeah. know. Yeah. Especially if you're like living if you at had, home. Yeah. I was just going to say, if you have no rent to pay, it's fine. Yeah. Um, So she joins the team and when she got to the league, she quote, found out there were more people like me and it gave me more freedom and those girls more freedom. Hmm. Um, she, she'd never been in a, in an inclusive environment. Um, and they would frequently meet up in Chicago during a day off and they would go to a gay bar, which I think is important to understand that like underground gay bars have been in existence for forever. Oh yeah. Like, like the, again, I would I'm still traumatized by the old friend from high school who said gay was invented in the nineties. I'm not, I'm not, I'm still not, I've not processed. What's our like new moniker for, for the show? People are dumb. People are dumb. People are dumb. <laughs> People are dumb. I mean, so it's like every time I, I say that, I always have to like point out because, you know, he, he couldn't have been the only person who thought that. Maybe. I hope so. Oh, but God. you know what? Probably not. Um, So while she was playing there, Max Carey, who was like, a big guy in baseball saw her performance and signed her to join the Peoria Red Wings of the All American Girls Professional Baseball League. All American League, we come from cities near and far. I actually still know the whole song. <laughs> Sorry. 
as a pitcher Nerd. in 1948. We are Canadians, Irish ones and Swiss. Do you know that that song, it was the official All-American Girls Professional Baseball League really? song? No. That was real. Oh. No, it was real. They didn't write it for the movie. Oh, okay. That's what I read. We could ask Gina Davis. Yes, I would love to ask Gina Davis yes. <laughs> anything. I love her. She, she has yet to be on my speed dial, but <laughs> um, I'm sure she would have the answer. Um, so she signed. She joined. That's this professional baseball. They they pay they pay good money. Um, but unfortunately, she hurt her leg and she could hardly move. Oh, she played no. one game and did really well and then couldn't move. So she tried to cover it up, but her opponents soon found out and they started laying, it oh, said, yeah. started laying down bunts against her with reckless abandon. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. um, and she said they kept her on for a couple of weeks to be nice and then was like, we have to let you go, um, with a hope that she would return, but she, that didn't happen. Aww. But she did go back to like, in 1951, she played with the New Orleans Jacks, um, but unfortunately, um, she had to choose between baseball and she was offered a good job escorting VIPs for Northrop Aircraft. Oh. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to drink some water. Hold okay. on. That sounds like a pretty good like gig. I mean, it's not playing baseball or softball, but... I mean, I guess I guess it beats being behind a desk in a secretarial. Yeah, pool. and I mean, I don't know the tenor of like what people are talking about, but uh, the All American Girls Professional Baseball League I say that three times fast. Um, folded in 1954 because mm. you know it's so it's so sad. The the yeah, why can't we all play baseball, you guys? Um. So she attended Compton Junior College in California and then the Los Angeles School of Physiotherapy. So following her graduation, at first she worked at a treatment center in Los Angeles and then she, she started working full-time. She had a 37-year career at Northrop Corporation, which oh. is now Northrop Grumman, by the way, which is where my dad once worked. Oh. And then I'm like, maybe they knew each other. I don't know. I don't know. Like, Pro probably not, but I don't know. Maybe um, he would have loved her. He'd have been like, she is smart. Um, so she started off. So she was a chauffeur. She ended up as the manager of highway transportation. She was one of three female managers that the company employed in that period. Um, so when she was at Northrop, uh, there was a high security. She had to have a high security clearance. She worked with Northrop's B-2 bomber. And so the responsibility with that also came with a lot of scrutiny. So quote her, um, she said, they would go around asking neighbors all about you. It was nerve wracking. Every time I moved, I was afraid somebody would discover that I was gay. And if they did, I would be fired right on the spot. Mm. So yeah. she retired. It's so it's so tragic. It's why pride exists, you guys. Like, yeah, I think people don't realize like how, and you know, and and queer people of a certain generation still have this fear, depending on their the yeah. industry in which they work in. But people 
you know, not only physical safety, but like financial stability, you know, being able to keep your job because, you know, depending on who saw, saw and when they saw what and where they saw what, it's just. Like they could fire you and every judge in this country would say that was legal. Yep. And they could, they could put you in jail. Like, I think people need to understand. I remember hearing rhetoric about gay rights and why should they have more rights than me? And da, 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 da. I'm like, you don't understand. They want human rights and, and they don't have it. And now is a better time in America than ever, but only because it was so bad before. <laughs> like, well, only now. I mean, it, it's, it could like change overnight. It's slowly changing all these uh, bills all yeah. over the country that um are trying to take about take away these rights but you're right like a judge would be like yeah that's there's nothing yeah. illegal about it also you could be um ostracized um mm-hmm. you, they probably could take your pension so even though she worked at this yep. place forever they could fire her and take her pension so it's not like you could be like oh early retirement nope you yeah. take all of that they could take all of it you'd be destitute yep um but she was okay. She retired. She became the vice president of center of the center for extended learning for seniors, which was an educational travel tours program for elder hostel. Um, Mm -hmm. She also became an active collaborator in different projects for the AAGPBL players association since its foundation in 1982. She was on the board of directors and the chair of the fundraising committee. The association helped to bring the leak story to the public eye and was largely responsible for the opening of Women in Baseball, a permanent display based at the Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum, which was unveiled in 1988 to honor the entire All-American Girls Professional Baseball League rather than any person individually. Um, She's also good friends with Justine Siegel, who is the first woman to coach professional men's baseball and the founder of a program called Baseball for All. She's been a constant presence at the annual Trailblazer series. Um, She always brings her glove and she'll play catch with anyone who wants to, like in her 90s, and she's good. Oh, I love it. Okay. And she's continuing to push for the International Women's Baseball Center to be built in Rockford, Illinois, um, as a place to help grow the game and to celebrate the groundbreakers who came before her. She says, quote, now there's the opportunity. The doors are opening up, but we've got to get our foot there and kick the heck out of that door and let's get it going. Amen, sister. She says, Amen. right? Yep. She is not stopping. Um, she says, these girls deserve it. They need help. Yep. For some of these girls, there's no place for them to play baseball. We will be running a league of our own again. Oh my God, I'm Aww. crying. Um, so in 2022, she was promoting the TV series, A League of Their Own, um, because she, she helped consult. And she publicly came out as a lesbian for the first time in her life. Wow. She was 95 years old. Wow. Now the, the the producers of the show knew her story. She told them and they, you know, they supported, you know, that was fine, but she'd never been out publicly. And then on stage in front of lots and lots of people. And she, her quote, I thought I was the only one in the world. 
I had for 75, 85 years. And this is actually basically the first time I've ever come out. Wow. See? This, she is why we have pride. Yep. Like. Yep. Not just for the young people. Nope. It's for everybody. And it's necessary. Yep. It's, it's necessary to honor the, the elders um, and those people who, you know, they fought hard, but they also had to live in a very hostile climate, even yes. more hostile than we have now, um, where they didn't have any legal recourse just to live their right. lives. Uh, not bothering anybody, just, just living not their lives. Not bothering any. It's so, it's, I think it's, I think it's because it feels absurd now mm-hmm. that anyone would care. But I mean, historically... They have cared. Yep. And historically we have made progress and then been shot down. Yep. So we have to keep caring. It's just like they say about feminism. It's the same exact thing. If you stop fighting, you will lose. Yep. Yep. So we ha- we can't stop fighting. No, I love that. Oh. I know. She's a- and she found you know what I think is really amazing, and I'm always I'm always in awe and I look for this in people is she found her joy. Yeah. Yes, it sucked she had to hide who she was, but but she loved baseball and she played baseball. And she she also talks, I didn't get into it, like how she um loves the sound of the cleats and her favorite mm. moment ever is the first time walking out to the stadium hearing like that was her going out there to play and she loved it. Mm-hmm. Like she lit li- she she was able to live at least a solid portion of her truth, oh. you know, if not, and not, if not enough of it. Right. I love it. Love, love, love it. Oh, Maybell. Maybell Blair. Maybell Blair. That's a great name. Thank you so much know, for right? sharing that. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's a, like you said, a testament to like the sacrifices that people made, but it's just so nice to know that uh, many of our queer elders were able to at least uh, live, you know, do the things that they wanted to do with life. And she got to play, yeah. you know, baseball professionally for a short while and got to live up to that dream and not be completely shut out of it, you know, and then right. go on to build another life, a whole other uh, life doing something else, but continuing and coming back to that love and then, you know, helping to usher in the new generation and help them right. to get the and opportunities. And she's fighting. Yeah. She's, she's not stopped fighting. She's she's like I'm going to go as long as I live. Notorious I indeed, because notorious, notorious to, indeed. Yeah, to you know live your life out proud. So yeah, go Blair. And, fi- Thank and you. never stop fighting. She never stopped fighting, even when she felt too scared to to be open about all that she is. She still never stopped fighting, and she still understands that everyone needs to be able to express themselves. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, oh, go ahead. I'm going to, th- okay. I'm just going to throw this out there. Okay. I just started watching the new League of Their Own and mm-hmm. they, they touched on it a little in the original movie that I saw over and over and over again. Um, but they weren't able to touch on the queer stories in that movie. And that's why this, the, this sort of second iteration of the same story, same ish story, right, is important because there were a fair amount of less. Of course, if you get, you know, how many women? 600 women? you're going to have a fair amount of lesbians. That's just the percentage of how the human biology works, right? Yeah. So they were so intent. And she talks about this too, 
on teaching these women how to be as feminine as possible mm. because the only reason they thought this league would work is if these women were as 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 society deems a womanly woman should be right when the reality is women are like men not a monolith right we are all different ways and it's just bizarre watching these scenes where they're you know learning how to put on lipstick I know. listen i would be in the same boat because i don't really wear makeup it's you know i can if i have to but yeah but i prefer just, not to have to it's really interesting you i thought that was interesting in the series with the, the emphasis is like it's basically like oh the girl players like it's not like you know, yes. taking them seriously. And then it's interesting because I think about uh, the WNBA because then the flip side of that, once they once women have rejected that, then it becomes about like, oh, they're like men. And it's like, I mean, they're just no. athletes. They're athletes. <laughs> just stop. Athletes. You guys like stop, like honor why humanity likes to put people in boxes. Yeah. Because when we were cavemen, and had no forms of communication, there was like a sense of like, oh, your coloring is similar. You must be from my tribe. I also can't form full sentences, right? So there is like that sense of like, oh, you look like me. You're not a bear who's going to eat me, right? right? Like, right. that's why we have it. That's why we box people so that we know, you know, that you're not a lion, you're a human. Right. But I think as, you know, or, or that like maybe you're you're not a a rival nation that's going to come and try to steal my resources. Right. Okay, fine. But like we know better. Why can't we do better? I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. You know why? Because we're kind dumb. I forgot. How did I forget? Girl, you just keep forgetting. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but our ladies maybe are I'm not. Dumb. No, they are not. Thank you so much oh, for okay. sharing that. Um, and also, again, like you said, it's pride and uh, we are in support of our um, our alphabet family. Um, yes. It's so funny because people are always like LGBTQ. Da, da, da. <laughs> it's like <laughs> LGBTQ plus IA or it's alphabet not, family. I, I like alphabet family because then you don't accidentally leave someone out <laughs> because because the reality is they're adding because we shut this shit so hard yeah. down that like we're still sort of discovering like the truth of our humanity, the capacity that we have as a human race to exist. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, so I just feel like if you get the plus in there, then that's the everybody, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So, I mean, as long as you don't forget about people and as long as it's said out of love. So that's the most important thing. But I also, because again, it's uh, June is Pride uh, Month as well okay, as we Black Music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. As well as Black uh, Music History Month. I thought to combine the two in my Notorious Woman this week. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. My notorious woman this week is Honey Dijon. Do you Stop. know who Honey Dijon is? No, but I love her name. I know, right? Isn't that great? Oh okay. my God. Let's yes. get into it. It's a short one, Bless. but 
okay. short and sweet. So Honey Dijon was born Honey Redmond on June 21st. I'm not going to say the year she was born because I looked something up. She was like, I don't want people to know my age, but somebody put it down. As, so uh, she's born right. on June 21st in Chicago. Oh, my God. Uh, it's almost her birthday. Or it, as of this coming out, it was yes. her birthday. I don't know. Yeah, Happy, happy birthday, birthday, honey. Yeah. Uh, now, as a child growing up in the 70s on the south side of Chicago in what she described as a, quote, very middle class, loving African-American family okay. uh, that was also musical. Um, because of this, honey was, of course, drawn to music at a very early age. You know, okay. and also Chicago is just a rich, richly cultural yes. music town. They've produced some some amazing uh, musical artists and um, uh, acts. So in her mid teens, she began clubbing hard uh, okay. and going out to what was called back then, quote, warehouse parties in Chicago. Now, I've heard of these warehouse parties. Yeah, it's probably like what became cl the club kids party scene in the 90s in New York City. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, at first, she would sneak out of the house, but eventually her parents found out because parents always find out, kids. Yes, they do. If my children are listening, I know everything. Okay. <laughs> they know everything. So perhaps because uh, they understood her draw to music or just realizing that she was going to do what she wanted to do. She was at that age. Yeah. Uh -huh. Her parents made a deal with her that she could go to these parties as long as her academics didn't suffer. So good parents, okay. you know. Yeah, I would just want my kid to be safe. Like, yeah. that would be my only concern. Yeah, because if you sneak out, I don't know where you are, something happens. Right. So, yeah. I now, would make the same deal. And, and then know, I would follow them to the party <laughs> and then I would watch them the whole time. No, you put a but tracker on them. You put a tracker yeah, on them. Yeah, I can do that these days. Yep. It's not a problem. Uh, yeah. Also, like, you know, parents, you kind of know what kind of kids you have. Some kids yeah. you cannot make this deal with. You're like, no, nah, that motherfucker's going going to rob something, just be stupid. And then I'm going to have to mm -hmm. choke him out when he gets home. So, yeah, that's um, exhausting. you know, a lot of arm strength, you know, or like, <laughs> yeah, take, I have to take off the doors off of her room because she's always yeah. up to no good, but not Dijon. Yeah. Her parents were like, as long as your grades don't suffer, you can do it. So, um, okay. so she started clubbing and because of this clubbing, it sparked her interest in DJ, oh. which, uh, Chicago has a very rich history of this, uh, of DJing. And she, you know, at these warehouse parties, she was rubbing elbows with some of, you know, some big local celebrity DJs and producers. Uh, okay. And she, they basically started to take her under their wing, some of them. Uh, oh, some of them cool. include Derek, Gar uh, Derek Carter, Mark Farina, and Greenskeepers. Um, they were all well uh, respected figures and notable figures in the underground tech and house music scene of Chicago during this time. Okay. So she's in good company. Now she's, you know, she's becoming, a, she's a club kid. She loves his house music. She's, you know, she's, she's uh, finding her way to becoming a DJ herself. Okay. Um, you know, cause it starts out, you're just dancing. You're like, I'm going to burn off some steam. I'm just going to, and then yes. you get interested in like, Oh, maybe I can DJ. And then you learn from these, these great, so they take you under their wing. And so in the 1990s, uh, this is when some would say the explosion of dance music happened. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so it culminated with her getting into becoming a DJ as well. So eventually she moved to New York City. Okay. Of course she did. Of All the course cool kids, she did. Just saying. I know. 
Now, once she moved to New York City, she was introduced to the house to a house indie label by the name of Maxi Records uh, and a producer by the name of Danny Tanaglia, uh, a okay. fellow DJ and again, a well-respected producer at this point. Um, now, keep in mind, all these people are very young, like especially Danny yeah, and like her, how, like how late teens. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah. Like. Late Tiny teams. babies. Yeah. That's what I say. They're all very young and they also have the energy to stay up at three o'clock in the morning. So, yeah, right. I do not. Mm-mm. Nope. Now, in uh, 2018. If I am awake at three in the morning, it's because like perimenopause is just awakening <laughs> me. That's where I, that's what stage in life I am at. Or okay. you're, you're up against your will. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, now, a nightmare a child has, you know. <laughs> Of her her DJing style, because yes, DJs have a style as well as any other musical um, uh, creator. Um, Resident advisor uh, once stated that uh, her style was uh, a rambunctious DJ style that leaned heavily on golden era disco, techno, and house. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. Now... Dijon herself would acknowledge that a lot of people still associated her at the time with swingy Chicago and classic house and disco. But she also says that she can rock dirty rhythmic techno as well. So, you know, because even though Chicago is sort of like the uh, not sort of, but is the the ground um, ground zero for house music. Yeah, there's different types of house music throughout the continental USA. Again, America is very big. So there's different styles in different cities. So now side note, house music is a music genre known for its steady four, four thump and electronic essence. And it was born in Chicago, specifically at the warehouse club in the early and mid 1980s. As DJs began altering disco songs to give them a more mechanical beat. House pioneers. I know that too well because of how old I am. Okay. Yeah, well. I mean, house pioneers uh, like DJs like uh, Frankie Knuckles, Ron Hardy, Jesse Saunders, Chip E, uh, Steve Silk Hurley, Joe Smooth, Farley Jack, Master Funk, all these guys and many others. They were they're the ones who uh, really revolutionized and created this genre. Uh, and so it again, it's based off of America's the land of the remix. So it's it's based in disco yes. um, and um other like sort of quote unquote dance beats, but then they add, they add this electronic four four thump uh, essence to it, which um, is so fun if you're dancing at a club and you're me. Yeah, okay. and then out of that, house music expanded to different cities in the U.S., including New York City, and then also uh, ac- across the Atlantic to London, and it yeah. became a worldwide phenomenon. Now. And then eventually in the 90s, it exploded and then it became more mainstream and pop. And so a lot of pop music was influenced by it as well. And so major artists like Whitney Houston, Janet Jackson, Madonna, Pet Shop Boys, Kylie Minogue, and uh, in more recent times, Lady Gaga are all known all for. The, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're, now, if you're still kind of confused about what house music was at this time, think of Pump Up the Jam. Pump up the jam. The dun, jam. Dun, Pump dun, it dun, up. Dun, dun, dun. your feet are stumping mm-hmm. and you're jamming. Do you know that a friend of mine and I spent four years trying to choreograph a dance to that song um, that we were going to oh, perform <laughs> at Bandcamp? I'll say it. Um, and we never did it. We never finished it. 
So we've never performed it, but that song will always live that's in my uh, heart. Now, by yeah. that time, that's sort of like when it became mainstream. And also a very classic house music song is Robin S.'s um, uh, Show Me Love. You got to show me love. Words are so easy. You got to show. And, and that, that. That kind of beat. That's like very like classic house music. Like I'm ready to go dancing right now. I know. Let's I think go. that's why you couldn't come up with a, uh, the choreography because you're too busy dancing to just like the I, rhythm and the beat. That's pretty much what happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, and now keep in mind, hip hop has also exploded around this time. So often um, there was like hip hop or, or dance or club. And then DJs are like, why can't we do it all? Right. Like, right. You know what I mean? like, I listen, I love all kinds of music except death metal. Uh, so I, I, I have learned to appreciate its musicality because there is a boy that Sal thinks maybe had a crush on me, but I think he was just really interested in me understanding music uh, in high school. And he made me listen to some things and I was like, wow, that is beautiful. Yeah, I so. can't do death metal. I, I can't. I feel like the devil is trying to come out of the person's chest. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm in a horror movie. Hmm. I feel like you're trying to hurt me. If you're like, oh, I, I don't, well, yeah, no, it's a fair assessment. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. But, also, yeah. I love, I love to shake my booty, shake your booty. So, uh-huh. uh So house music, <laughs> house music is definitely my jam. Uh, now, Dijon, Honey Dijon herself is known somewhat of a house music griot, a musical historian who will not let anyone forget that the the genre of house music uh, is with black. The roots are black and queer, even as subgenres yes. like EDM and tech house have strayed far from its origins. But it originated with the black and queer uh, roots in Chicago. And again, it spread out and then other uh, cities you know, have their own form of it, but house music originated in Chicago. So, um, now basically she, so she, she's in New York living her best life. She's getting, she's picking up some DJ, uh, some gigs, you know, at first she was living off of like basically $150 for gigs. Mm -hmm. You're trying to live, uh, you know, hanging out with her friends. But she also said that, um, she, when she moved to New York, she found her people because it had a more open queer community as well. Yeah. Um, but also it, New York is, is, is a big, Chicago is a big city, but New York is a more international city also because it's a coastal city. So, yeah. you know, it opens up your exposure. It opens up your exposure to get steady work. Um, yes. she started performing in the underground club circuit and she played sets at also fashion shows. Oh, really? Which started making, cool. uh, and also started making industry connections. Listen, if you can get in the fashion, there is yes. money to be mm-hmm. made. That is the correct move if you can. Yeah. And she talks about also, like I said, finding her people, her tribe in New York. She said she, uh, quote from early on, quote, uh, she was a very effeminate child. Um, in an interview she did, uh, in, uh, Manchester, England in a hotel, in a hotel room, she was doing an interview and she said she withstood bullying and assumed a, a lot of bullying because people assumed that she was gay. And she thought she was gay at first too, because she, she, because quote, I was attracted to men and I really didn't have any mirrors or affirmations of trans femme energy, end quote. 
So again, yes, she that's... didn't know. She's just like, oh, I must be gay. But then I'm not really sure what's going on. And because she didn't really have uh, the verbiage, the um, the role models. Yeah. Um, like it didn't exist. It, it, it fully existed in the world, but it yeah. didn't exist uh, as a societal norm. Well, e- exactly. And you couldn't really access it unless you were already in it or somebody brought you in. So you have to find your tribe. You have to find your people. But she did say that, you know, the whole, her whole life in New York, it wasn't just about, you know, um, uh, just music or anything. It became a lifeline for her. Uh, She said that as a trans woman of color, she couldn't just go and get a job with benefits as her mother had encouraged her. So, quote, clubbing at that time was really a great place uh, for you to make a, quote, unquote, honest living, end quote, for her. So it just became a lifeline of, you know, you get emotional and creative uh, satisfaction, protection, uh, and then also a way to make a living because everybody got to pay rent. Everybody got to pay rent. So. Um, so once she found her footing in New York's musical scene, Ward began to uh, get out about her skills as a DJ and a producer. And that eventually led to some, st- you know, steady, pretty steady work and a growing uh, good reputation. And in 2017, um, she released her debut album titled The Best of Both Worlds, in which she was nominated for both a Glad Media Award and two DJ Mag Awards. Of, and oh, she. Wow. She did win the DJ Mag Award in 2019. Oh, wow. Yeah. So That's incredible. Yeah. She's finding her footing, you know, and she continued to make money with fashion shows. Um, she also became a collaborator with Louis Vuitton and uh, Dior, providing soundtracks oh for their one for their runway shows, as well as playing festivals and corporate gigs. So she, you know, you know she's what? making a living. This woman, let's give her this credit is a it sounds to me like she's a brilliant woman mm-hmm. because she she runs her business it's a business like nobody business. business like I, business. I, I we could learn maybe from her i'm just saying um you well, know that's she's very smart you know also i think that you know sometimes i think people who are not in the creative or the entertainment they don't realize how hard it is to get that steady gig yeah, uh, because you can hard. literally be like, you could be in like a hit show for like, let's say with acting for like three, four, five years and then not work for like seven years. Yep. Uh, like that's so just, you, could, you, you, and you know, you hopefully bought the house outright. Yeah. So there's that, but you still got to eat, you know? Yeah. And DJs are like, you know, they are also musical artists, uh, oftentimes as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, but they also, they, I think that they're great because they're tastemakers in a lot of ways. The DJ is always, that's why yes. hip hop, the DJ is like, like, that's why it's DJ Jazzy and the Fresh Prince. Cause the DJ was uh-huh. always more important because the DJ is the taste, the tastemaker. It sets, the DJ sets the mood of the club. They have all yep. the power. Um, and so, you know, people who are in the know, who know really respect G- DJs. So now in 2013, uh, she was featured in New York Times as an up and coming artist, which is a big deal. Ew, yeah, it is. Um, and then last summer, and also one thing that, uh, DJs are known for are their remixes as well. Yeah. Uh, last summer she contributed to a remix for Madonna called Finally Enough okay. Love. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. 
Um, and Madonna called Honey DJ her, uh, quote, my favorite DJ in the whole world, end quote. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's coming from Madonna. Like, that's all you gotta, like, I, you know, that's it. Like, I would, I would, I would take that quote and, and then I would print it, like, and then I would frame it and then it would be on my wall in every room of my house. That's what I would do. Yeah. And like, I know it's, it, it it's become like, you know, trendy to shit on madonna but y'all put some respect respect on madonna chicone's name okay like y'all put some respect on her name um yeah Uh, like everyone back off like she no we gotta do her one day madonna is a uh, an american treasure like i she's not without controversy Mm -hmm. and all that stuff but y'all put some motherfucking respect on madonna's name okay um now uh so that's high praise obviously um, she also curated uh, last year opening club night of Grace Jones Meltdown Festival in London. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and then today she regularly plays sets in, in 10,000 K plus capacity venues in the UK, uh, the Whoa. United States uh, and all throughout the world. So she is hot, hot, hot on fire. Um, she's but she also says as one of still too few visible uh, trans uh, artists and DJ and music artists working today, Honey has always used her her success and platform to advocate for her community and for others. She has been a vocal advocate for trans rights and awareness, speaking from her experience as a Black trans woman um, and a Black trans woman DJ and dance music. In 2016, she was interviewed by the British television channel, Channel 4, on the issue of trans visibility uh, at a oh. 2017 event hosted by MoMA. Uh, in New York City, she led a roundtable discussion, quote, focused on those who have, like her, found safety and creative expression within the New York club scene, end quote. Um, since 2019, Dijon has had her own clothing line called Honey underscore Dijon. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Line that's awesome. From Calm de Gargon. Uh, Garçon. I know I butchered that. That's French. That's French. French. Garçon. Like. As in boy, like garçon. G A R C O N S. Garçon. 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 Yeah. Uh, much of the like, apparel. Yeah, plural. And okay. so basically, it's much of the apparel is printed with <clears throat> explicit references to disco and house. Because again, she's a, a music historian as well. Um, now, in 2022, how she became on my radar yeah. last year. She released her second album, Black Girl Magic, which led to critical acclaim. Um, I've heard of this album. She also was part of a little, little bit of an album called Renaissance. Renaissance. Oh, mm, that that little known artist. What's her name? Uh, Beyonce. 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 No, that's wrong. Uh yeah, a <laughs> uh, little she who, like she got a little up and call. coming. Yeah, oh. call from a Miss Beyonce, uh, Knowles Carter, uh, to collaborate oh, on a few songs hey. for her new uh, album, <sighs> and one of those songs. So two of the songs she contributed that she was credited with, of course, like a lot of artists, you work on a whole bunch of things and you're not sure what's going to make the album. Right. Um, so the ones that made the album are Cozy, which is one of my favorites, and Alien Superstar. Now, Cozy is on that track with the musical, uh, with many musical samples, we hear the undeniable and powerful voice of Honey's trans sister in arms, the fabulous T.S. Madison declaring, quote, 
I'm dark skinned. No, I'm dark brown, dark skin, light skin, beige, fluorescent beige, bitch, I'm black, end quote. <laughs> That's how she says it. I love it. That's awesome. But it's just I like. I have to listen to so much music when we're done. <laughs> oh, I love it. And I, I have to say a lot of my uh, trans uh, family will say that that's like a trans uh, cozy is like a trans anthem in a way. So it's kind of going oh, really? over our heads. But okay. Like, yeah, probably. But that's fine. We I love support. it. Uh, cozy. I'm cozy. Bitch, pay me. I love it. Anyway, get Renaissance. It's so good. So now in an interview about this whole thing with uh, NPR uh, podcast, it's been a minute. When asked about getting recruited by Beyonce, Honey said, quote, well, first of all, I had to uh, pick my jaw off off the ground when that call came. I was like, yeah, how does Beyonce know about me? (laughs) It was so humbling to feel feel that the work that your lived experience was being acknowledged by someone of that caliber. One of the things that I was told from her team was that she wanted to make this a dance record and she wanted to go to the true source of Chicago house music. I think of so many people that have laid the groundwork for me to be able to express that. You know, I think of the Frankie Knuckles and the Ron Hardys and the Derek Carters and all of these amazing artists that have gone before me for Beyonce to acknowledge that that was just so gratifying and it made me so proud. I had to pat myself on the back. My mother always says, quote, you may see my glory, but you don't know my story, end quote. And I just thought about all of those years of being told no or what I was doing was being misunderstood. So when that call came, it was just such a proud moment for me, end quote. Okay, I'm going to cry a little, but that's okay. Like, that's so beautiful. That's so moving and that's so hopeful. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's just like, and also your work is bringing so much joy because I tell you, Renaissance came just on time. Like I listened to that and I needed that. Like, you know, there's something about dance music that you just can like not dance all your problems away, but it can just make things seem possible and more bearable for a little time. And yeah, like a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Just for a moment, you know, for that three and a half minutes or four minutes or however long the song is. And um, so now, of course, Honey is one of our heroic notorious women because she yeah. is not only a bright star, a proud trans woman and a queer icon. She's also a DJ legend who has been uh, tapped by both Beyonce and Madonna. Uh, but most importantly, she's a hero because she's living her life on her own terms while finding a way to do something that brings her joy and brings joy to the world. You know, of her life's work in music, yes. she she has said, quote, the club is a community for me and it always will be. So one of the things that I always tell people when they want to become a DJ, I say, well, why? What is it that you want to do as a DJ? Do you want to contribute to culture? Do you have a voice that you want to connect people with? I build community through sound and I try to create spaces of liberation, end quote. Okay. I love her so much. Right? Like, I I want to go to her club, but I'm pretty sure I probably cannot afford it. No, um, you and I aren't cool enough to be in Honey Dijon's presence. Also, they would presence. say like, you don't have enough money to be in her presence. Yeah. And we would be like, fair enough. You know, but... Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, she's too cool for me. Uh, I mean, yeah. Like, I would just stare... Yeah, it'd be awkward. And you can't. Like, I love you. And that's, you know, why, Miriam, why do that? Just walk away. 
And just so you know, you can't go on YouTube and find some of her sets. Like there's, oh, really? they're actually filmed. Like there's one that was from 2018 and 2019 that I found on YouTube. So just go in and put in Honey Dijon, AKA Honey Redman, the fat, the notorious and fabulous, um, DJ DuJour. DJ DuJour? DuJour. 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 My French is terrible. Uh, but that is Honey yeah, Dijon. It is. And I, you know what? You do not have like to I, agree. You're supposed to be my friend. You should be like, you should lie. Be like, no, that is fine. Like, but then you land in Paris and like I lied to you this whole time and then you're going to be embarrassed. So like I'm here for you. No, I'm afraid of French people because I heard they're really rude if you do not know how to pronounce your French. Yeah. So, sometimes... Sometimes they aren't, though. Yeah, it could be just a stereotype. People say that about New Yorkers. And I found actually the rude people are the people who are not native New Yorkers. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. (laughs) You know, but that is Honey Dijon. And I just, you know, I just think it's important to, you know, again, I love a murderess. I love a a black widow. I I love a a woman who stabs, stabs, stabs. But... You know, it's also important to highlight the stories of these women who uh, are, you know, because it is to live out and proud is notorious, even in 2023, when there's so many legislation uh, laws that are being drawn up to restrict the, you know, the rights that we just got. Yeah. And I think it's it's important. And and it's important to understand that that affects everybody so if you're not trans like i just you know ellie wazelle wrote a great poem we all need to reread they came yeah. was they came for those people and i was like it's not me they came for those people so if they're coming for someone yep. they're eventually coming for you so yep. to protect everyone is to also protect yourself yep yep and, and also that is my speech for today <laughs> And also go and stream and buy Renaissance. Yeah. And house music. Robin S. You got to show me love. I need a dance party right now. Oh my God. Love that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, guys, that wraps it up for another episode of Notorious Women Podcast. Remember to follow us on all the things. Uh, you can go to Apple. You can go to Stitcher. You can go to Spotify. You can go to uh, any podcast. You know what? Catcher if of it your does choice. Podcasts. It, yeah. We are there. Tell your friends. Send it to your friends. Yes. Just like send it to them. Yeah. And also, don't forget to write a beautiful review. Five talking stars. Talking about just like how pretty we are. Yeah, we're so okay. pretty. Like you can't see us, but like you can imagine. <laughs> So that's good. But five stars. Thank you. Five stars. And you can also contribute to us financially if you want to help us out uh, on Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Notorious Women. How do I do the house version of P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash notorious women notorious no that's i don't know oh my god you're a dj no no it's not a good one no but (laughs) 
That's more like whip it good, right? Whip it. Whip it good. Uh, but no, that is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Notorious Women. And uh, if you give us enough money, I promise never, ever to sing again. Yeah, if you guys could do that, that would be really good. What? <laughs> I promise. <laughs> and Miriam, um, do you want to tell them where else they can find us? Yes, we are on Instagram. Uh, it's Notorious Women Podcast. It's fun. Go on Insta. You can um, you can DM us there as well, but you can also email us at NotoriousWMPod at gmail.com. And yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys, for uh, listening to us. We really appreciate all your help and your support. Uh, and again, we're trying to, um, we are expanding. So, but you know, the more the merrier. So tell your friends, copy the link, send it to them and, you know, help us get our numbers up. (laughs) Thank you. Our numbers up. All right, guys. We will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.